0: Yes, yeah, sweet. Oh, gosh, dang it. Okay. Well, good morning, Dorisville. Um, my name's Trey. I've been here my whole life. And so, uh, I, you know what I mean. But, uh, so if you don't know me, I'm Trey Reamer. Uh, I'm a junior in high school at Harrisburg. Um, there's not really anything interesting to tell you about me, but uh, I'm glad that I have the chance to preach to you guys today. So um, today's sermon is on what we, I believe we all struggle with most, and that is forgiveness. And so um, I'm going to start out, I don't, I think I didn't have anything to say. Okay, so we're going to start out with a video. If uh, Patty would play that and just draw your attention to the screens, please.
1: I've got an appointment with Mr. Wood. I have your six o'clock here, Mr. Wood. Mr. Wood will see you now. Thank you. Take a seat, Mr. Martell. Do you know why you're here? Yes, sir. I've been studying your accounts for the last two years, and uh, you have managed to collect an overwhelming amount of debt, $2.3 billion, and not a single effort has been made to make payment. I've contacted the company lawyer. The trial will take place in three weeks, and you have until then to make payment in full. But, sir, how can I ever come up with that much money? Failure to repay the debt will result in a lifetime prison sentence and the debt will be passed on to your immediate family. My family has nothing to do with this. Your mistakes affect more than just yourself. Please, sir, be patient with me. And I will pay back everything. Tony, you can never repay that debt. That's why I've decided to cancel it in full. No, but go and forgive as you've been forgiven. yourself too hard, Adam. You know me, sir. I never do. (laughs) Tony? You haven't paid rent, Adam. It's been over a month. I left you a note the other day explaining my situation. Don't give me that excuse. Pay back what you owe me every last penny. I get paid next week. Please, be patient with me. I'll pay back everything I owe. That's not good enough. Here's your eviction on us. You must pack your things and leave by tomorrow morning. Did Adam take leave? not exactly. He called to report he'd been evicted. Why didn't he show up for work? I'm not sure. All I know is that he missed his payments and Tony Martell told him to be out of the company apartment by morning. Send Tony in when he gets here. Morning, sir. I cancelled all of that debt of yours. 2.3 billion dollars. But you've got the nerve to evict a man from his apartment for not paying his rent for one month? I can explain. I've decided to reinstate all of your debt every last penny.
0: That video, <clears throat> excuse me, that Tony guy, he owed $8.3 billion, or no, that is a lie. He <laughs> owed, <laughs> don't know where that came from. He owed $2.3 billion in debt. And you know, he, he, he told the guy that he, there's no way that he could pay that debt. And it seemed just like that, that, they, that the, the office worker guy, he, he canceled the debt with no problem. It, it looked as if it was just so simple. And easy, and then the janitor there, the Adam guy, you know, I guess this Tony guy owns apartments or something. And he, you know, Adam didn't pay uh, a rent for one month and he had some issue, you know, rent. Okay, that's like, what, $200, $300 a month. And he owed two, am I wrong? (laughs) Okay, it's not $2.3 billion to to stay in an apartment. So there is no, there's a huge difference between the two. And so he he grabbed him by the throat and and put him up against the wall, and the guy tried to explain. said he left a note and everything, but that wasn't good enough for Tony. And so the next day, um, uh, the dude finds out about that, and he's pretty ticked, so he reinstated all of his debt. And the reason I show that, that, that's kind of a good example for you guys like to see what this story is about, or this parable that Jesus gives us is about. And so... And it's on forgiveness. So, if you would open your Bibles up if you want to read uh, to chapter 18 of Matthew, uh, we're going to read through 21 through 35. I'm not promising a short uh, sermon, but I'm going to try. So, uh, beginning in verse 21, uh, I'm going to hold this up. Matthew 18, 21 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Um, wait, w- one second. Here. Peter is kind of being generous here and asking to forgive seven times, or he thinks he's being generous, when uh, according to rabbinical teachings, you only had to forgive somebody up to three times, and then after that you really had no ob- ob- obligation to forgive. Um, Extend forgiveness to someone, so Peter thought he was doing himself a big favor, you know, asking God, you know, I'm an extra four times, going, you know, you feel me, okay? Uh, verse 22 uh, says, Jesus answered, "I tell you, not seven times, but seven, seventy-seven times." What Jesus is saying here wasn't supposed to be, wasn't supposed to be taken literal. Um, he he didn't, you know, he wasn't like, okay, once you hit seventy-seven, don't forgive again, you know, you're done. Um, what Jesus was saying is that we should never. Stop forgiving, and that uh, we as children of God should uh, be forgiving people. That should be our heart, and that's not really the reality always, but of the situation, but of course it should still be our heart. And uh, so, to drive this point home more, Jesus gives us this parable beginning in verse 23 and 24. I'm going to read 23 and 24. Therefore, is it on the screen? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with a servant. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bag, uh, yeah, ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Um, I'm reading out of NIV. I don't know if y'all like that. I've never seen. I don't think Dwayne uses that, but uh, I'm sorry, but uh, but uh, it probably says talents, very possibly in your in your scripture and talents. Uh, was quite a bit of money back then. It was 20 years of savings. Uh, Okay, not just savings, but earnings. And so um, to show you guys in today's terms like how that compares to like money today, I looked up an average household income in the United States. uh, Okay, then I decided, okay, this is an annual amount of income for here. So I took that and uh, I took 20 years of that income and multiplied that by 10,000. And in today's terms... This debt would have equaled about a billion dollars. That's quite a bit, or at least it is for me. But uh, <clears throat> So this dude is very bankrupt and is uh, not going to be able to pay this, probably not even in a thousand lifetimes. Uh, continuing on into verse 25, he said, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Uh, that was a kind of a common thing back then to, uh, like if someone owed a debt and could not repay essentially to the person that they would owe and the right to sell them into slave. Well, kind of like slavery, I'm going to call it more like servitude, if that makes sense to you guys. So, um, and then on in 26, says, at this, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. That's kind of a, pitil- a pitiful response there because he can't really pay back that debt. I mean, if, I mean let's be for real. I don't, not even, like I said, in a thousand lifetimes, I don't think he would have been able to repay that debt. And then verse 27, which I'm getting a lot out of this one. Uh, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Uh, that's pretty amazing for, you know, have such a big debt. And just so easily, he for, canceled that debt and didn't oh, make him pay anything. Uh, instead of demanding anything or putting him on some kind of like easy payment plan, or instead of being like, okay, uh, I won't say in uh, servitude, I'll tell you what, you can pay me 10% of your income per annum for the rest of your life, and we'll call it good. You know, he he didn't do that. He could have done anything, really, and he decided to forgive the man of his debt, and just as it it says, it says that he looked at this man, and he took pity on him. He saw the situation for what it was, and it was a pitiful situation, and it says that he just forgave the debt. He was just like, forget it. I don't want a penny of it. Uh, Something I want you to see here is that this is the definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness, what you're seeing, what what you're seeing this master do is defining forgiveness for you and I. It means to cancel the debt that someone owes you. That's going to be my definition of forgiveness for you guys, to cancel the debt that somebody owes you. Um, That's what it means to forgive. That is the essence, not of only forgiving, but being forgiven as well. If you're on the receiving side of that forgiveness, it means to have your debt canceled. It means you have a debt. You have this big debt that you're not able to pay canceled. And uh, so we need to understand what removing debt is the essence of what forgiveness is. And I believe that there are many of us Christians, not just Christians, but people that don't forgive because they don't really understand and know what forgiveness is. And so... We're, like they don't know what it is and they don't know what it means to be forgiven. They just, forgiveness is a word that they don't know like in some big dictionary. I don't know the names of dictionaries. But uh, <laughs> once again, uh, forgiveness means canceling debt. It does not mean, however, that you have to open yourself back up to that debt. Okay, that's the part that we don't get. That's the part that we don't realize. That's an important distinction to this. This master in the story, you know, forgave the man of all of debt. He would have been a fool to lend him money again, though, because the guy had proven himself unfaithful, and he had proven himself unable to pay the debt. <clears throat> um, so, like, in the returning of those or any of the funds that were owed, therefore, like, let's say if the, if the master was any kind of, like, a businessman, any kind of man with uh, knowledge at all, any wisdom, he probably would have said, you know, I forgive you, but I don't think we will be doing any business again again. Um, And that's the part, like I said, that people do not understand. Uh, That's the part that us Christians don't understand. You know, I've heard people before, like, you know, people, you might hear that, well, if I forgive this person, then I'm going to have to open myself back up to all that debt. Uh, My question to that would be why? What makes you you say that? You know, remember, forgiving is canceling debt, okay, Uh, that someone owes against you. And sometimes it's necessary at that point just to say, we're done doing business, close the door. And, you know, call it good, you know, but you still forgive them, you know, you're not going to hold any hatred in your heart, hold a grudge. And uh, it doesn't always have to be like that, though. I mean, I'm not just saying, you know, blow people off if, you know, somebody does something. I'm talking like extreme situations, like uh, if there's no sign of change or this person, this individual is just unrepentant, I'm talking serious situations. And it's not always the case where you have to, you know, blow them off, you know, open yourself back up to them is okay, don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you what some people don't realize. And I can tell you that uh, people, uh, there's been people that have hurt me and uh, have done things against me. And, but what we have to, we have to realize and we have to recognize and understand that it's our job to forgive those people. Yes, it's very tough to forgive. Um, I was talking to Jeremy last week. We were talking about forgiveness and he, he brought it up that 29 years took him to forgive his dad. Um, that's a very long time. I'm not even half that, but uh, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, that's okay. It doesn't always have to be like that, but uh, just depending on the situation, that's where I'm coming from. Um, I have forgiven people like a lot, but I've also not forgiven people. But when I do forgive, I know that I have forgiven them because there's like nothing really on my heart anymore. There's no ill will. Um, then I can we could really generally, genuinely pray. pray For that person. Um, And really, truly pray for God's best in that person's life. Like, God, I want you to bless their socks off. Like, pray for them, you know. And we can do that with a genuine heart. When When you or I can really pray for somebody with a clear heart and really want them to be blessed, then you know your heart is clear. And I know that, like, all that poison that might reside there, you know, keep you from really forgiving It's dealt with Jesus. It's in God's hands. And you know that I have forgiven. But that does not mean that I have to be best buddies with that person again or do business together again. Uh, You know, there's those people that always throw Christianity at you like, uh, in this case, like, well, you're a Christian. You know, you have to forgive me. Well, you know what? You're right. I do have to forgive you. But, sister, I don't have to mess with you anymore. So, you know, (laughs) sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'm talking about extreme situations. Again, I'm, I'm throwing that point out there so you guys know. Uh, sorry. Uh, so so you've, you've forgiven them and just gone on with them at times, which is, you know, okay. Um, and your heart is clear. You've canceled the debt. You know you have forgiven. Okay. So... Um, don't let people hold that over your head. And, and the reason that I'm sharing this is not so that you will blow people off. That's not my goal. My goal is to help you understand what forgiveness is so that you will not be hindered from forgiving. Um, because like I said, people won't forgive or are scared to forgive because they don't know what forgiveness is or what forgiving is. And they don't really understand it. Um, like I said, extending uh, credit to that individual after forgiving is not part of forgiving. But that is an option. Um, the same thing can be true with individuals too. Uh, we don't hold ill will in our heart to that person. You know, we don't think about them or talk about them in negative terms after we forgive them. That's that's really not right to do. We forgive them. Okay. Um, so so be free to forgive. Uh, if somebody has done something that has even came to ask for you for their forgiveness, like if you've done something and somebody you know didn't even say will you, I'm sorry, we forgive me or something. You know, it's still in your best interest to forgive. <clears throat> Um, some people might say, is it really my obligation to forgive somebody if they haven't, you know, asked for, for, for my forgiveness? Well, uh, let's not talk about it in terms of obligation. Let's talk about it in terms of what's healthy for you. Um, you want to have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Uh, pray for those who spitefully use you. Just like it says in Matthew five forty four, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's also where I got that. You want to have a good walk with Jesus? Well, then don't predict, or not predict. Yeah, predict. Don't predict forgiveness on what somebody tells you. Predict forgiveness on what Jesus did for you. And we're going to get to that later on in our sermon. And then you're going to be healthy after that. You're going to, not just spiritually, but emotionally, you will be healthy. Holding back forgiveness would be like me drinking poison right now and expecting Brent to die from it. You know, that's... Kind of what that would be like. Holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness is a poison in you. And it's not going to hurt the other person, but it will hurt you eventually. And it will hurt your relationship with Jesus Christ. And you will get you'll see that in your relationship not just with him, but with other people. Um, it's always in your best interest to forgive. Always, always, always. So we're going to move on to the verse 28. <clears throat> verse 28 says, But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So denarii is, okay, it's not like the 10,000 talents. It's, it's less, like way less. It's a hundred days wages. So one denarii would equal to a hundred days wages. So we're, we're talking about quite a bit of money. I mean, that's quite a bit of money. But it's nowhere in comparison with the talents. So it's two completely... Different depths. And I looked it up and found that uh, the denarii with the talents, it's approximately one five hundred thousand of what the man owes with the talents. So I'm going to go ahead and fi- I'm going to read 29 through 35 and then we'll just uh, discuss it all together so I don't keep reading and then stopping. it. So his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their masters everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all of the, that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That last verse, uh, verse 35, that verse is for you and I. It is the moral of the story. As we look, I kind of made an outline of points through this um, parable. And we're going to kind of see that this really isn't a tough parable to figure out um, or to understand. And it, there's a couple things that I want to, or I believe that Jesus wants us to get out of those parables. I'm going to start. Uh, the first thing that Jesus wants us to know is that our sins are beyond repayment. I hope everyone understands that, you know, that is so important. You can't, ba- you can't pay back God for what you have done. You know, I can't pay back God for what I have done. It's beyond us. Jesus purposely gave us this astronomical, astronomical, I can't even say it, but you know what I mean, amount of this 100,000 talents to communicate to you and I that there is a debt looming over our heads between us and God that is unpayable. And it's unpayable, and you couldn't possibly pay it back ever, you know, and we're going to get, you're going to see what, what we can't pay back. But, but beyond that, that's what we call the bad news, okay? And we, we refer to the gospel as the good news, but we can't get to the good news without getting through The bad news and understanding what the bad news is, and that is that you and I have a debt that is completely beyond us and beyond our ability to repay. And once we can get that, and then we can understand that is when we can move on to the good news. And the good news is the second thing that that God wants us to see and understand, and that is God has canceled our debt. God has canceled all of our debt. Every single bit of it, and He was beyond it was beyond what we could repay or pay. And You know, you like that guy in the video, we came to Jesus and or him to the Master, forgive me for all I have done. And what did he do? He canceled our debt just like that. And and that's wonderful. We never want to forget that we had that huge debt canceled. And the third thing that Jesus wants us to see and understand was that any offenses committed against us by others are small by comparison. I'm gonna see that, let me say that again. Any offenses committed against us by others are small. By comparison, that means what people have done to you. You know the way that they have hurt you or abused you, or the way that they have spoken to you, what they have said, what they haven't said, or whatever the situation may be. God wants you to know that even though He knows how sick, significant the situation may be, what you have done against the Holy God is in no comparison. Is in no comparison at all. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but the fact of the matter is that any sins that were committed against you, they were committed by a sinner or to a sinner. But when we admit our offenses against God, we are sinners who have offended a holy God, a righteous, pure, holy God. And that makes it infinitely worse. So Jesus wants you to know that. Uh, The next thing that God wants us to understand is that God expects us to forgive as we've been forgiven. That is an expectation on God's part. And the the statement that Jesus put in the mouth of the master in this parable is key in the parable. It says you should have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. God is looking to you and I and expecting us to show the same level of mercy, the same kind of forgiveness that we have been shown. He wants you and I... No, okay. He expects you and I to show that to others. And He wants you to understand what it looks like when you don't. When you don't forgive, it looks like you getting down on your knees and saying, Oh God, I'm so sorry. Then God says, All right, I'll wipe it out. I'll wipe it all out. And and even though it's a debt that you could not possibly pay, God's going to wipe it out. It's like you walking down a hill and at the bottom of the hills, one of your fellow servants and you pick him up by the throat and, and when, he's, when he's pleading the same plead that you pled before God, asking for his forgiveness, it, it's you grabbing him by the throat saying, no, I refuse, I refuse to let you go that's what he is saying in this parable that's how God views you and I when we refuse to forgive when we hold on to bitterness, when we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness when we enjoy being mad um, you know, <clears throat> You might not even know that you are holding on to unforgiveness. You know, you wouldn't verbalize it to anyone, obviously, but, or maybe, but you, you know that it's kind of fun to simmer, uh, to sizzle with this thing. And, and we know it's going on because you talk about it and you bring it up. We, we, we really do. And one of the most heartbreaking things that you, that you might hear nowadays is when two Christians, two Christian people are arguing and one brings up something that happened like five years ago and then points to the other person and says, well, yeah, well, you remember when you did, you know, so-and-so. It's kind of devastating if you think about it because it is the exact opposite of what we are called to do and to be to our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And first Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about how love keeps no records of wrongs, but we don't, we, we definitely keep records, um, uh, of wrongs and we keep a record. We hold a record and wait for the day that we can hang it over someone's head and humiliate them. And we are just waiting. Meanwhile, we'll just smile and be two faced with that person until that day comes that that person crosses you up and you have them in your, uh, <clears throat> arsenal. And that's a horrible thing in the eyes of the Lord. Absolutely despicable. So 30, oh, we're only doing 35. Okay. So, um, and every single one of us has done that. We all have, own up to it. And the, the thing is, we've all done that without fail. Um, and we know what unforgiveness is all about, but it's especially grievous when, when we have been the recipients of God's forgiveness. When we have received and opened our hearts to his forgiveness and we refuse to extend it to others, that's what makes it so grievous. So the last thing that I, that I think that God wants us to get out of this, um, this parable is if we refuse, the result will be God's anger and some form of punishment. You might ask, what's he talking about there? Well, I don't know. I'm just going to be honest with you. A parable is giving to us here in such a way that we are to receive it just as Jesus tells it. Uh, to attempt to draw spiritual conclusions from it and, to, and ex- that are not explained or that are explained. And all we're supposed to do is look at it and ask ourselves, what is he trying to tell us here? Uh, You know, what can we learn? Well, I've told you some of these outline points. Well, we know that our sins are beyond repayment. God has canceled our debt. Offenses committed against us by others are small by comparison. Uh, God expects us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And if we refuse, the result will be God's anger and some form of punishment. You know, if we refuse, it displeases God greatly. And it's something we need to reckon ourselves to. We need to understand it from the standpoint of God's word. Uh, The way I'm kind of going to end this is I would like to highlight one of those those points that I did in my outline. That Jesus wanted us to get out of this parable. And the point that I want to highlight is God has canceled our debt. Let me emphasize something really important here, and that is how. God has canceled our debt. There's always repercussions when a, a debt gets canceled. You know, somebody has got to pay. You know, it's not, it just don't evaporate into, into thin air. Somebody has to pay. Either the person that you gave the money has to eat the loan or whatever, but once again, somebody has to pay. Um, and the same thing is true with the sin and the powerful whelm. Uh, when God forgives you, do you understand that somebody had to, has to pay? Do you guys see that? Somebody has to pay for that sin that we commit. Um, The question is, who is going to pay? You see, this is the part that we forget. This is the part that we don't look at when, when we think of forgiveness. We think our forgiveness is kind of just like God's forgiveness from the standpoint where we think that we can just blow it off. Well, God can't say, don't worry about it. You know why? Because there's a spiritual principle that can't be moved, and that's Spiritual principle is this for the wages of sin is death Paul echoed it in Romans and, uh, and as sure as you and I is, and as sure as the existence of Jesus uh, and the wages of sin is death it's, and here's the bottom line uh, somebody had to die you and I got off pretty scot free uh, but somebody had to die the fact of the matter is the reason that God cancelled and can cancel our debt is because someone did die it was God's holy son Jesus Christ came. God canceled that Jesus paid it. He paid it in full. And and that is what happened on the cross and that is why Jesus hung there on that cross and yelled that it is yelled out, it is finished. It is finished is a financial term for paid in full. He paid it. It's not like God took our sin and swept it under a rug and, you know, and said, "Okay, they asked for forgiveness, so it's all good. I'm sure they won't do it again." You know, stuff like that. <clears throat> That's not what happened. He forgave us because someone had to pay the price. And Jesus came, and, as he said in his own words, to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, dying there on the cross with your punishment and my punishment heaped upon him on the cross. It was so brutal. It was so crucial, so horrible, that, that Jesus Christ himself yelled out on the cross, My God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, because the Father could no longer look upon Yeah, Jesus was getting forsaken, but God can no longer look upon his son on the cross who bore your punishment and my punishment. Uh, Jesus was forsaken on the cross. He was forsaken so you would never have to be. He was judged so you would not be judged. And that's the beauty of this. That's the financial mechanics behind God wiping out our debt. So... Um, that's today's sermon, and I hope that you guys really got something out of this. Uh, it's not; it wasn't as long as I expected. But uh, so we're gonna. I'm just gonna ask if you would bow your heads, and Dave's gonna come up and sing some. Uh, dear God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for that your uh, your great love and amazing grace, God. You showed the ultimate example of forgiveness when you forgave us and set us free of our sin, God. You you tell us in your word that not a one of us is perfect. God, help us to remember that we are not perfect. Help us to extend forgiveness to others just as you have extended forgiveness to us. Even when it's hard, when we're angry, when we don't see change, even then, God, show us how to forgive. May we we be reminded of how much you first loved us and forgave us. You canceled that heavy debt that we could never have paid and freed our sin. And as we have grieved your mercy, receive your mercy, God. We freely receive that mercy. Allow us to forgive others unconditionally, God. And I pray that you would allow this, Your Word, God, to speak to each and every individual in this room, God. I pray that they would, you know, take think about this when before they forgive that that they cannot freely get forgive, God. I pray that you would uh, help us realize that you know Jesus died uh, not so we could freely sin, so that we could be freed from sin, God. And I pray uh, that uh, you would speak to these people, God, and. Uh, Me as well, God. And we ask all these things in your wonderful, precious name. Amen.